All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk to you today about playoff defense and about the moments that are going to excite me the most about the Nuggets' upcoming season. I think we're at that stage in the offseason where you can both – it's mostly going to be a big-picture view – heading into next year, especially right now. As we get closer to the season, we'll go into more depth on the minutiae, on everything that sort of applies to what the Nuggets are going to need to do next season. But what I'm looking forward to most is talking about the playoffs again in a serious capacity, where Jamal Murray comes back, Michael Porter is hopefully healthy for the entire season, and the Nuggets can sustain a long, healthy stretch. And we'll get to talk about some of the schematic questions. We'll get to talk about some of the the most important things that a contender can really talk about going forward. So that is a really fun thing to look forward to. But right now, I'm going to start in kind of a more realistic place where the Nuggets have faltered in each of the last three postseasons even, well, four, really, but I'm focusing on the last three because of their defense. It hasn't been because of offense. It hasn't been because of anything like that. It's because they haven't been able to defend enough people. And I think when you start this discussion, you have to think about Nikola Jokic. You have to think about the traditional center that Nikola Jokic is. And I wanted to start this. I I was on Swipe a Cam's show for on YouTube. You should make sure to go check that out. I talked about this a little bit there, just that I, I have some concerns. And I think that Nikola Jokic is under some pressure this year, even after winning a couple of MVPs in a row. He has something to prove on the defensive end. The Nuggets do as a whole, and it's not just on Jokic to really do that. But I think it starts with him. I think as the the focal point of the defense, as the focal point of everything the opposing offense is going to attack, Jokic is the defining player for Denver's successes and their failures. Is he the biggest issue defensively? No, but also yes. Perimeter defense is important, and Denver hasn't had enough perimeter defense over the course of these last few years to really say for sure whether they are capable on the perimeter or not, and you could just boil it down to Jokic. I think there's segments of that that you could really take with it. Not necessarily the entire thing, though. And interior defense is just as important. I think interior defenders that defend the perimeter are becoming essential nowadays. You think about Draymond Green. Think about what Anthony Davis did while he was in the bubble with the Lakers. Think about Giannis and what he continues to do. All of these guys that can defend the interior and and are usually that's their specialty, but they can extend out to the perimeter and be very capable, be very uh, connected to the perimeter and not get shaken by opposing guards and forwards. I think it's important for those players, like they've just become essential to everything that the modern NBA has been about. 
It's why people have questions about Nikola Jokic. It's why people have questions about Denver and whether they can play legit playoff defense if Nikola is at the center of everything Denver does. Can Denver play legit playoff defense? Maybe. Maybe not. I think it's a fair question until we see otherwise. And I'm not going to bemoan other people when they say Jokic isn't the best player in the world because of these issues. I think those are fair criticisms until Jokic, until he kind of combats them a little bit or until like it's becoming evident that it's not his fault defensively. Because I don't think like we have some evidence that when Gary Harris was out there with Denver, that he was very successful and that when Gary Harris was not out there with Denver and Denver's perimeter defense was weaker, Denver was not successful. They've had that combination of success. Their most successful period was where Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, and Paul Millsap were all around Jokic, Murray, and Porter in the bubble. Now, some of the offensive burden that Nikola Jokic also carries, I think, is a part of this. I think getting Murray and Porter back where they can carry some level of defense or of offensive responsibility even while Jokic is on the court, that is also going to help Jokic defensively because it's there's only so much energy that you can expend. Jokic does a great job, and he's he's one of the most uh, he's got the most endurance in the NBA or, or somewhere close to it. But he still has limits, and all of the energy that he has to expend on the offensive end in order to make Denver what it is that goes directly counter to what Denver has to do in order to be the best defensive team that they can be. So easing up his burden offensively should, in theory, help him on the defensive end. In practice, I'm not sure. Can KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, Zeke Naji, guys like that, can they replicate what the Nuggets were able to do in the bubble when Harris, Craig, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, what they were doing with those guys, even P.J. Dozier. P.J. Dozier had a really important piece. Uh, He had a really important game against the Utah Jazz. And it's games like that that people kind of forget. But he was a very important piece to what Denver did. And, And maybe that's Christian Brown this year or Davon Reed this year. I don't know. But Denver hasn't had those level of defenders over the course of these last two playoff runs. Aaron Gordon was out there basically by himself, where Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, that was Denver's starting lineup in uh, against the Phoenix series. And then this last year, Denver's starting lineup of Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, that's just not good enough defensively on the perimeter either. In theory, Denver's improvements around Nikola Jokic should give Denver a better chance. But I still think it comes back to Nikola. I still think that the best version of himself defensively, I think it can win a title. But this is on Nikola. This is on Denver to come up with these versatile defensive schemes and for Jokic to be able to execute said defensive schemes at a level requisite with what Denver needs in the playoffs, they're going to need something special and they're going to need enough 
in order to succeed, in order to get by. Now, their offense, in theory, should be better too this year. So we're going to see. We're going to see how it goes. But if I'm the Nuggets and if I'm Jokic, this is a very, even if I'm the NBA, this is a very defining moment for the NBA where if Denver is fully healthy, if everything comes together, if Murray plays like an all-star, if MPJ is playing like uh, how he was playing towards the end of the 21 season, and Denver still isn't successful despite the pieces they added defensively, then there are going to be some long-term questions about the center position in the NBA, unfortunately. Like, you can get to a certain level. There's no doubt about that. Jokic has proven that. He, by himself, is basically a six seed. That's what we proved this last year. But now, every series, it sort of takes on its own own meaning. And the further Denver goes, the more they prove. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what this looks like. Here are some stats for you from the bubble. Denver had a 111 defensive rating with Gary Harris and Nikola Jokic in the bubble playoffs. 111 is really, it's, it's not great. Like I think if you're elite, you're closer to 100. But 111 is fine. It's, it's pretty average, actually. Two games against Utah, seven against the Clippers, five against the Lakers. 111 is probably good enough. Now, Jokic's defensive rating without Gary Harris in each of those last three seasons, 126, 125, 126. That's in 1920, 2021, and 2122. Denver has been consistently horrible defensively without Gary Harris, without that level of perimeter defense surrounding Nikola Jokic. And I don't know if just adding back in a KCP and a Bruce Brown, if that's going to fully satisfy and improve Denver's defense. It probably will help. There's no doubt about it. But when it comes down to matching up with the Golden State Warriors or the Phoenix Suns or the Boston Celtics or whoever, Denver is going to be in a situation where there are going to be some teams that really give them trouble no matter who they throw out there. So they need to still get to a place where those games are still in the 120 range as opposed to 126 consistently. Because if they can they can get up to past 120 offensive rating. You'd like it to be down that 115, 110, 105. You'd love it to be in those ranges. But Denver just needs to get it to a reasonable place where their offensive talent, which they have more of than most any team in the NBA, where that offensive talent can really show through. I think, so here's actually, here's Denver's playoff offenses with Jokic on the court in each of the last three years. 115 in 1920, 116 in 2021 without Murray, and 111 this last year without Murray and Porter. I think that there's obviously some room for improvement there, given that Denver missed those guys, and they I think they improved their roster over the course of this last offseason to make that offense just a little bit better even. 
And now with the return of Denver's guys, Denver just needs to get that offense up to the 115, 116 level and the defense down to the 110. If that happens, Denver has a serious shot at the title. They have a serious, serious possibility. Nothing is guaranteed, of course. I think every team in the top tier is basically in the same tier, and there's like six or seven of them where you think, okay, you've got the four teams in the West that I think are in the top. You've got Phoenix, you've got Denver, you've got the Clippers, you've got the Warriors. In the East, you've probably got the Celtics, the Bucks, and maybe the Sixers now, based off of what they've shown. Maybe it's the Heat, but I kind of default to the Sixers after what they did. If Denver's in that situation, and they have to face any number of those teams, can they defend the Clippers? Can they defend the Warriors? Can they defend the Sixers? I think the answers to those questions... It's a certain range, like maybe they'll limit them to 110, and that's good enough. Maybe they'll limit some of these teams down to a 107. That's pretty good too. But I do think that this is probably Denver's biggest overarching question as a franchise, even more so than the health. You assume that Murray can get back to the place where he can be, or at least close to it. You assume that as long as Michael Porter Jr. is on the floor and not feeling any pain in his back, that he's going to shoot the ball, and he's going to rebound a little bit. Both of those assumptions, I think, are fair. I think they're par for the course. And so, if you're still going with par, Denver still has a ways to go defensively. Can they be a top 10 defense in the regular season? Can that top 10 defense translate to the playoffs? I think they're all fair questions, and I think those are questions that are not going to be answered until the, the regular season ends and the playoffs begin once again. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about more exciting things, more exciting Nuggets moments that I am looking forward to. But first, the time is now. Summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet. Start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Axe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Only going to do two segments today. I recorded with uh, with Swipe a Camera earlier today, and I'm kind of tired, so wanted to record, though. I shared my thoughts on the defense, and with regard to Nikola Jokic specifically, I also wrote about that on MileHighSports.com. You should absolutely check that out. Also, my friend Trey Mitchell has a new podcast that he is debuting about cinema. It's called Mile High Cinema. 
uh, or actually it might be 5280 Cinema, but make sure to look up Trey. Make sure to look up 5280 Cinema on Twitter. He's got some episodes out. I think one of them is now uh, pertaining to Star Wars, so should be very good. Make sure to go give that a look. All right, final segment here. The most exciting moments that Nuggets fans, more specifically me, but Nuggets fans in general can also look forward to. I think for me, if I'm ranking these moments, even more so than anything specifically, and we haven't gotten the schedule yet. I'll probably do this again once the schedule drops sometime in August. But I am looking forward most to opening night, especially at home. Opening night where Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are both back on the floor. They might only play 20 minutes apiece. They might might play a very limited amount of time. But in that stretch, you're going to get some emotions. You're going to get some very strong feelings. As Denver, in, in these last couple months or these last couple years, they've had these opportunities kind of go by the wayside and they haven't seen two of the most talented nuggets that have come through in the last, I don't know, century. Porter is potentially the most talented shooter the Nuggets have ever had. Murray, maybe the best point guard the Nuggets have ever had. Uh, Apologies to Fat Lever. Actually, that might not be true. Murray still has something to prove, but uh, it's it's my personal opinion, okay? Um, Denver, they've had Jokic, and he's given two amazing MVP seasons. But there's just something about when Murray gets going or when Porter gets going where the building just starts to buzz. It doesn't happen as often as Jokic kind of going in his bag, and that's almost more expected now. I think Nuggets fans are not tired of it, but they're they're almost like expecting it. And he'll do some amazing things and gets the crowd going a little bit in that way. But it's more understated. With Murray and Porter, it's loud as hell especially Porter, when he gets going, you know that he's pulling. And every Nugget fan knows that he's pulling. When Murray gets going, you know that he's going to do something special. You know he's going to dunk. You know he's going to cross over. And I'm just waiting for opening night. I'm waiting for that moment where he fires a blue arrow into the crowd, where Porter gets hyped, looking at the bench and uh, John with his teammates. Where those guys, they help Denver go on a big run, and Denver gets to have like their own little coming home party. I remember when Clay Thompson had that with the Warriors, and that's probably even a stronger bond uh, with his teammates than than and that's kind of formed over a longer period of time than what Murray and Porter have developed. But it's close. I think that there's just nothing like it where you get to see somebody like that suiting up for your team. So I'm looking forward to opening night. Second most important thing I'm looking forward to is the Murray Flurry. Uh, My friends over at DNVR were talking about the the Murray Flurry versus the Porter Quarter. What is more exciting? For me, it will always be the Murray Flurry because I think it comes with a little bit more variability. I think it comes in in a wider array of moves. And he's liable to do some crazy shit all the time. It's it's amazing. Um, 
And I think a lot of those are, are just generally tied into when the Nuggets are at their best. Sometimes Porter can just be independent of what the, of what the Nuggets are doing. It's like, okay, the, the Nuggets had their offense and that was great. And then Porter hit like seven contested shots in a row. With Murray, when he gets going, it gets the two-man going between him and Jokic. And Denver is just at this place where they look unbeatable all the time. So I, I love it when you see that. I love it. So that's second for me. Porter quarter is third. Some of these Porter quarters have always been fantastic, though. When he gets going early in the game, it's like found money. Because most of the time for Denver, Jokic is the guy that kind of gets them off and running. And then Murray's also kind of out. He gets, he gets Denver off and running a lot of the time, too. So when Porter is the guy that kind of goes for 10, 12, 14 points in the first quarter... It feels like it gives Jokic and it gives Murray just a little bit of time to ease into the game a little bit. That's great. It's great, especially for Denver's long-term prospects. But I do think that if you get a 20-point quarter from Porter again, it's going to feel so good, just like the Murray flurry. Number four, I'm looking forward to the Golden State rematch. Obviously, Golden State extremely talented team. They won the title for a reason. They took advantage of an injured Denver team. And who knows whether they would have beat Denver at full strength. I'm not going to I'm not going to prognosticate about that. I, I actually think that Denver probably still loses that series. However, it's a much better fight. And Denver has these other guys that especially in game 5 where Denver's kind of elimination game where they only scored, I think, 90 points in that game. Jokic was basically playing by himself on one leg. And at this stage, and in that situation, you need more than one guy. So Denver might have won that game in that situation. And maybe another game would have flipped. I don't know. But what I do know is that if Denver is going to be the best, they're going to have to beat the best. And it's obviously not going to, like, it's not going to matter until the playoffs more. But it would be great to get a head start, to get a good feel, and to see what they do and how Murray and Porter react to that situation. I want to see it. Number five, I want to see the Phoenix battles once again. Because I don't know if people know this. Jamal Murray has played the Phoenix Suns 18 times, I'm pretty sure, in his career. I think he's 15-3. and three. Before he went down, Denver was almost unbeatable against Phoenix. Murray was always Michael Jordan-esque against the Phoenix Suns for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's the Devin Booker connection. But I do think that Murray really shows out in those situations. And it doesn't matter that Mikhail Bridges is there or that Chris Paul is there or Devin Booker's there. Murray gets whatever he wants. And when he's in that situation, it lifts Denver up entirely. So I think that those Phoenix battles, as difficult as they've made it for Denver in each of like the last 15 months or so, right when Murray went down, as difficult as it has been, I do think that Denver looks pretty good if Murray and Porter are back there. Number six, 
the T-Wolves wars, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they look like a completely different team now. You still have Anthony Edwards, you still have Carl Anthony Towns, but now you've got Rudy Gobert. Now you've got a player that Denver has had their own divisional battles with in Utah. Now he moves to form that Twin Tower lineup, and I wonder what it's going to look like, what the T-Wolves are going to do. Are they going to have Gobert defend Jokic? Are they going to have Towns defend Jokic and Gobert kind of rotate off of Aaron Gordon? If Gobert guards Michael Porter, that's a great thing for Denver. If Carl Anthony Towns guards Aaron Gordon, then I feel like that could also be a good thing for Denver, where you sort of bait Carl Anthony Towns into doubling. Then it gives Aaron Gordon some opportunities for back cuts, some perimeter play. Now, if he takes it out to the three-point line and goes 0 for 4 from 3, that's a that's a pretty different story. But should be a lot of fun. I think KCP versus Anthony Edwards defensively should be fun. Aaron Gordon's probably going to guard Cat. That should be fun. Maybe they have Michael Porter guard Gobert, and they just switch the pick and roll. That would be interesting. Maybe it would be a bad idea if he's having to switch out to Anthony Edwards and Edwards is cooking, but could be worse. Like if he's pulling up from three the entire time, that could be could be a worse thing. Number seven. I want to play the Los Angeles Lakers. I want the Nuggets to absolutely annihilate the Lakers. I think that would be the most fun scenario where Denver most consistently where they have to play Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Denver never had to play all three of those guys at the same time this last year. But they should have. They, they should have swept the Lakers. They actually lost the last game of the season to Austin Reeves and everybody. But I think the Lakers are still vulnerable. I think just because they got Thomas Bryant and Lonnie Walker and Troy Brown Jr., that doesn't make them infallible. Denver's going to have a field day going up against them. Anthony Davis, I know, still has something left to prove. He's been kind of in the in the bargain bin for these last two years. And he's going to be chasing Nikola Jokic again. So I am curious to see how he reacts to that matchup and what Nikola Jokic looks like in that matchup. Is AD going to play the five? They're going to play Thomas Bryant and AD together? If that's the case, does Michael Porter guard... LeBron James? Does Michael Porter guard Anthony Davis? How do those matchups look? Maybe Michael Porter guards Russell Westbrook. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Number eight, Nikola Jokic versus Joel Embiid. The MVP versus the runner-up in each of the last two seasons. Jokic has been fantastic. When he went against Embiid this last time, I think Embiid had the better individual game, but Jokic got the last laugh with the way that he played. Embiid tired out in the fourth quarter. He wasn't as uh, successful as he was in the first, second, and third. And Denver, they won the game. And I think that moment, more than anything, really won Jokic the MVP. Now, Embiid's going to come back for blood. He's probably going to want that MVP award even more now. And it wouldn't surprise me if Jokic just wants to defend his uh, his honor a little bit in those games. They seem to go at each other. They seem to know what it's about. 
It's kind of the battle for the best center in the NBA status. A lot of people on Embiid's side in that debate. More people, I think, are on Jokic's side in that debate right now. So I do think that as long as Denver's supporting cast gives Jokic the proper bolstering, the proper spacing, Denver's going to be really hard to stop in those matchups. Who's defending Jamal Murray in those matchups? Is it uh, P.J. Tucker? I think that's their plan. It's probably going to be more of De'Anthony Melton. But I think Murray kind of clears in those matchups. And Porter, when he's out there, is going to be shooting right over James Harden or Tyrese Maxey or even P.J. Tucker in those situations. So should be a lot of fun. I think those games are going to be really good. And hopefully Denver sweeps those games. That would be so funny. If Denver just looks like the better team, even after all of the hullabaloo the previous year where Embiid definitely had the better squad last year in that game and they still lost, it was hilarious. Number nine, nothing specific here, but I put when Denver gets in, quote, that zone. That zone to me means when Denver is just vibing when they're just absolutely on fire when you have you string together that set of games where everything's clicking everything's feeling good you've won six in a row you've won against some tough opponents and there've been some close games and some of them haven't been close and you've just been having a party on the court for the most time those are the best moments during the regular season that's when denver gets into the zone i think that those fleeting moments Denver didn't have them this last year. Everything was a slog. Everything was very difficult for the Nuggets. They had, I think, one five-game winning streak, maybe two. But for the most part, Denver had to really battle for everything. It would be nice if Denver kind of got to the place where they were so talented again, and they were executing at such a high level, that some of these games are just laughers, where even against some relatively good teams like, say, Dallas or... Atlanta or, uh, hell, Minnesota. If Denver were to just blow out Minnesota, that would be amazing. I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think that in these situations, Denver needs some games where they can just have a party on the court again, where they can make basketball fun again. It's been a while since it's been fun. That's really what I'm looking forward to the most. And number 10. Looking forward to hopefully the best playoff run in franchise history. It's hard to predict something like that. It's hard to just say outright that the team is going to be successful, that they are going to go deep into the playoffs, have one of the best runs that they've ever had. Denver might fall short of that. It's very possible. But I think this year they have a better chance to win the title than they ever have. Because they have quite clearly a candidate for the best player in the NBA. They have one of the best duos in the NBA. They have one of the best shooters in the NBA. And they surrounded those three with capable defense. And even some spacing and some dynamic playmaking with a guy like Bruce Brown. Bones Highland doing his thing. He's going to have some big moments too. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the leap that Bones Highland is going to make. But I do think that for Denver to be their best, they're going to have to show it in the playoffs. 
They're going to have to show up. I have no questions that Jokic is going to show up offensively. That Murray, once he gets there, is going to show up offensively. Can Denver get to that defensive level? Can they meet some of these teams at the level that they're playing and exceed it? Teams like the Clippers, like the Suns, they're going to be out for revenge. The Warriors, it does feel like last year was a little bit of a magic run for them, but they still have some magic left in them. Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. There's no doubt about that. Until he stops being Steph Curry, Denver's always going to have to be scared. So Denver has to be, in this situation, they have to really gear up. Everything has to be in preparation. Everything has to be purposeful. And while you can have fun, and while Denver should have fun, they should also be focused. Everything should have a purpose. And the hope is that when Denver can purposefully put these runs together and find the defensive lineups that they need, find the offensive schemes that they need, get Murray and Porter right, if all that comes together, then there could be the best playoff run in franchise history. I'm looking forward to seeing it. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Enjoy the weekend. I will be back next week. Not sure how many podcasts I'm going to do. It's probably going to drop down to two just because, look, not a lot to talk about at this stage. But if there is some news, if there's major national news and stuff, then I'll let you know. But as we get into August, things are going to trend a little bit lesser, and I might take a week off. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.